Hello, friends. It's time to drop the needle on another episode of Supersonic Chat. This is the music podcast full of debate, jousts, thought experiments, all done in the name of entertainment. I'm your host, Adrian Warhope. And I am Leon Leroux. Adrian, as keeper of the questions and the crafter of the conundrums, what provocative treats have you planned for us today, good sir? Well, Leon, I've got a, a, a topic I really want to dive into and explore, but uh, by way of introduction, I've got a little game I want to play with you, and mm. then we'll launch on in. The game is I called love a good game. The game is called Would This Work? Question mm. mark, inflection up at the end. Would this work? <laughs> I've got four statements, and I want you to tell okay. me. Would this okay. work? Yes or no answers only, please. All right. The producers, here's, the, here's statement number one. Sure. The producers of the James Bond film franchise announced the next movie will be called No Time to Cry, a lighthearted <laughs> rom-com about our favourite government <laughs> intelligence employee who gets back into the dating scene after having his heart broken by a workplace affair. Would oh. this work? So nothing to do with spying. Nothing to do with spying. As, a, as, a, as like a separate offshoot. This is the mm. next instalment of the James Bond film well, franchise. Sounds about as plausible as James Bond in the first place. So it could work. Yes, I think yes. Yes, that could work. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> I think so because, uh, because James Bond, let's face it, it's not a realistic spy movie. It's a bit of fun. No. And as a separate option, yeah, the- I think it could work. No, this is the so this is the next installment in the fifty-first billionth oh. episode of the James Bond spy franchise. As Fans are it, turning up to see James Bond in as part the next of the franchise. Oh, yeah, yes. No. Would this work? <laughs> no. Okay. That would not work. Okay. I was thinking. I was okay. thinking like as a separate thing. Like you see part of his life, you get insight. A quirky into- laugh track sitcom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. As no, the next. No. Gen- okay. no. No. Obviously no. not. Next statement. McDonald's announced that for the season of winter, they're no longer selling burgers, but only <laughs> sausage rolls. <laughs> Would this work? In Australia, if it was um, if it was just a sausage on bread, like uh, you know, Bunnings style, Bunnings, I think I think it could work for like maybe a week or so until the novelty wore okay. off. But as a general as a general answer, no, no, okay. sir. Novelty, interesting. This is, there's some interesting things here that may tie in later on. Your elderly, uh, you take your elderly neighbour to see Michael Flatley's The Irish uh, Dance Sensation, oh, yeah. Celtic uh-huh. Dance, River Dance. You take your elderly neighbour to see Michael Flatley's latest dance show. He comes out and delivers a Bollywood extravaganza. <laughs> Would this work? Is your grandmother Indian? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but objectively, would this work? Uh, objectively, no. If you're there to see Michael Flatley, you want to see his arms not moving and his legs a a, a crazy blur. You don't want to legs see legs akimbo. Yeah, that's right. You don't want to see the you don't want to see the totally different style of Bollywood. No, I don't think so. I don't think it'll work. No. Last statement. I think I see in where this game. is going. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Last statement uh, in this game called "Would This Work?" ACDC announced that their next album uh, is going to be worked with famed producer of David Bowie and In Excess, Nile Rodgers, and it's going to incorporate electronic elements and is going to be more danceable. Would this work? <laughs> Sounds like something Metallica might try. <laughs> um, no, it, it, of course not. No, it's going to be an absolute abomination. Right, and fans would be up in arms. Oh, absolutely! Going, this yeah. does not work. You would right. lose. You would lose your fan base, half of your fan base, just here's based the, on that. Here's the topic that got me thinking about this: 
bands that change sounds. Yeah. Bands that take that big left turn and deliver something very different to mm. what they have previously done. Yeah. So what bands have done this, has it worked? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it ugly? Why? What? The good, All the of these bad questions. And the ugly of changing sounds. Yeah. So what bands have changed their sound significantly over the years that come to oh, mind? Man, there's heaps. Well, in thinking about this, I reckon there's about four different categories of how bands change their sound. Interesting. Okay. I got some categories too. Let's hit Let's see what you, well, that, I just naturally, Interesting. that's well, All right. Hit me. What do you got? So, so in thinking about bands that change their sounds, one of the first things that came to my mind is bands that change their sound as a stylistic choice. Uh, explain more. So, yep. I mean, bands that by their very nature refuse to settle on a particular sound. Yep. As a, as a real, like, quick, obvious example that everybody knows, think about the sounds that even in one album that the Beatles use. Oh, okay. Right? You're yep. thinking about, but then across their career, like even within an album, their, their sounds can be radically different from song to song. Yeah. But it's not like the Beatles are doing a Scar album, uh, you know, a folk album, a, you know, a jazz album. They're True. all within the Beatles sure, sphere. But, yeah, sure. But think about the difference between like one of their early albums, like oh, yeah. Rubber Soul, and then go right to um, the White Album and think about the differences there stylistically. You know, they've still got yeah. their, their vocal harmonies and things like that, but their songs are just so different. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Let's think about scaling it right up a notch all the way to Mr. Bungle. Yep. Right. This is probably one of my favorite bands ever. And they started out, um, their very first demo was a thrash metal album, when they were with the, which they wrote when they were in high school. The very next one that they put out was like a cross between circus music and hard rock. And it was a very much slower tempo, totally different feel, like all these weird little enigmatic sound clips that they'd chucked in of like trains and people like doing speech therapy and in an old 50s um, clip of uh, a puppet show called Mr Bungle Goes to Lunch. Just before lunch one day, a puppet show was put on at school. 
It was called Mr. Bungle Goes to Lunch. It was fun to watch. And is that the Disco Volante album? That no, I'm getting no. to the okay. Disco Volante one. Yep. Right. And so this is a totally different feel to thrash metal. There's metal elements yes. in it. There's heavy heavy elements in it, but it's not a thrash metal album at all. And then Disco Volante next, right? That's It's Italian for flying saucer or UFO or something like is that. Is it? That's, yeah, that's Disco Didn't Volante. Know. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And that one is like jazz. There's electronic, ele- like yeah. very much electronic elements in it. Then there's, it cuts to metal. And then there's like really experimental vocals in there. There's really eclectic influences in there. And again, amazingly different style. Even again, song to song, different sound that they incorporate. then move on to their third studio album California which uses even more disparate styles that go from like doo-wop then to metal then to Middle Eastern style then Indonesian chants next and then big grandiose kind of like show tune type songs and then robotic sort of sounding ones and then really ethereal slow ones not a single song on there is is identical to each or in terms of sound to each other but there's something that um, it defies categorization and it slips so naturally between these stylistic changes that that sort of becomes the thing that is their sound. And I was going to say that's why there are there are I called it bands whose thing is change and experimentation because yeah. you you can't see like I said ACDC they're not gonna they're not gonna <laughs> they're not changing they just do they make the same album forty different ways you know and it's yep. ridiculous but yeah. it's awesome like yeah 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 you know um, so that that there are bands and artists whose shtick is experimentation and change. And the ones that I had down were, were artists like Bowie that we've talked about. But yeah. um, one of my favorites is, is Beck, who was an, was a, you know, a folk artist who then uh, teamed up with um, electronic producers, the Dust Brothers, to make mm. um, an electronic-influenced um, beats-driven folk album. And then there's cut-and-paste stuff. Then he has a lot of indie. He has a funk and a glam album, Midnight Vultures. He has like yeah. a hyper one called hyperspace uh, like a like a space pop dream pop kind of stuff Cut up in these never mending battle lines everything has changed and it feels right And then he has these very serious, forlorn, um, focused, soulful singer-songwriter albums that he wins Grammys for. These are the words you use 
his thing is change and experimentation. Yeah. Um, and then I had Ween and I had Madonna as well. You know, Madonna uh, sets trends and follows trends. And I don't have heaps to say on Madonna. I do respect the, the experimentation, the fashion and the um, avant-garde, you know, trying to lead and, and change and stay relevant and be well, vital. Between, even between between those sound changes, she also goes in for just basically a full um, visual change and yeah. almost character-driven change that yep. resp- corresponds with those um, sounds that are changing. Yeah, and fans, fans almost want it, expect it, they look for it. Um, yep. You know, it's great. So, yeah, I, I agree. There are bands and artists whose changing nature is 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 wonderful well you you mentioned beck before but he's going to come into one of my later categories oh okay yeah well do you want to jump in with that one now no. later okay i'm gonna do that later for now i'm gonna also do bands that change their sound because they change their ideas in their music oh that's not one so of the sound completely reflects the idea that is being expressed okay so tell me more here's a band that I've talked about once before on this podcast, a band called Swans. Yes. Now this band, their early iterations were just aggressive. It's, you know, based on sort of post-punk and, and no wave kind of sounds, but um, like I, it's really heavy and dissonant. And I reckon it feels a lot like um, heavy metal in slow motion. The themes are very humanist and about brutality and about violence and things like that. Um, it, I mean, it's often was just one chord just played over and over again. There was no, not forget like three chord punk kind of progressions, one chord. We're going to hit that for the entire song and that's it. And it, it's brutal, some of it. And, and, it, and it's a dissonant chord too. And, and to make it even thicker, they had two bassists and two drummers at one point, you know. Uh, they're apparently like super loud in concert, just super aggressive in your face. Um, you know, like the drummer, one of the drummers at one point just got his sounds by hitting a, um, a metal table with a strap. Just smashing into this metal wow. table, you know. Yeah, that can be a full-on listen, Swans. Yeah, really oh, it is. Tough it's, it is a tough listen. It is a really hard listen, and I, I didn't really understand that at first. But um, then, as they started to, as they started to develop their ideas, they started to develop their sound as well. Right. So then, their ideas became more about spirituality, more about bigger existential ideas um like for example the album um, children of god um, has a lot of really quasi-religious imagery that is to do with 
um, existential ideas. And that sort of goes between the hard sounds. It also goes to really soft and gentle sounds as well, and they alternate between that. And then they go to one called Soundtracks for the Blind, which was really ambient and get this remember that thought experiment where you got me to got me to try and think of a, a concept album for our concept yes. album episode yes well albums for the blind apparently in um the words of the main guy michael gira um said that it was essentially a soundtrack for a non-existent film which wow. is my this was my backup idea remember i had one yeah. idea about the greek gods and my yeah. backup idea was the soundtrack for a non-existent film i didn't know that until i looked it up for this episode i went that's my idea what? that's amazing yeah so yeah very cool i get it like as an artist they're just that is inspirational to think uh, you know if there was a movie this would be the sounds and so yeah. the ideas drive then the the the, the sounds and exactly the, well and so i think part of part of um what makes swans sound like swans is because essentially the only member that has been the same is that guy, Michael Gera. Yeah. He and is the project. Own, he is, the, he is swans really. Yeah. But, um, but like, I think new members have injected new ideas and stuff, but I think it's really just the fact that he had different concerns and different ideas that he wanted to express as part of his um, intention in the songs. And um, less about like violence and ugliness in humanity and more about um, the internal and about the, the, the personal journey and about, um, the you know, just existence and being and, and relationships and stuff like that. And so the yeah. sound, as a consequence of the ideas, changes. From hard, heavy drone, one chord, dissonant, hard yeah. listen, to ambient. Yeah. Not relaxed. That's not the word you can use with a Swans record. <laughs> no, never. Um, <laughs> relaxed is yeah. not the idea. But, but it's, it's like inner and contemplative rather than yeah. exterior and and um abrasive and abrasive exactly yeah no very very cool i, I really like the idea that um ideas Artistic ideas drive a new expression of sound. Um, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. What's your I guess next the, topic? Well, I had, I, yeah, I had, um, I had the idea that we always talk about um, artists finding their sound. You know, so so bands that were one thing at the start, and then oh, I guess either found evolve. themselves or or their breakthrough sound was something different. So I'll give you some examples: the Beastie Boys, hardcore punk band in the, yeah. in the early eighties, right? Yeah. You can go and listen to it. Yeah, they put out an um, an EP in 1982. It was called Pollywog Stew. Yeah, 
can go and find, you know, listen to the, some of these things. Now there was a, a comedy single called cookie puss, you know, all this sort of stuff. And then, then as rap starts to grow, they weren't limited saying we're a hardcore band. They said, we love rap, this new rap, this hip hop stuff. And then they became the Beastie Boys as we know them today. And they've matured and changed a little bit within the hip hop genre. Yeah, but yeah. I guess we say they found their sound. They, they found what broke through. They found a new love away from hardcore punk that influenced them. But as a hip hop trio, right, that, that, that we know them to be today and love to be today. <laughs> Probably just experimenting one time and went, let's try, let's try this rap thing. Let's just just see how it goes. And went, this, this, we've got the energy here, guys. Yeah. Maybe this is what we should do. And it broke through. And then they go, ah, left turn. Oh, we're going down this road now. And that kind of, they don't plan that stuff. It's just what happens when bands (laughs) find their sound or whatever. They're naturally playful though. I mean, they had that country Mike album. I don't. What? What do you mean? <laughs> the, where, where Mike pretended to to you know have amnesia and thought he was a country singer. <laughs> and so, they, so I mean, have, have a listen to the country Mike theme song on on the best of the anthology, um, the Beastie Boys, Sounds okay. of Science or whatever it is. Yeah. And you can hear one part of it, but he's like pretending that like, that he's um he's lost his mind completely and that he's a country singer. And they're you know because they're it. his buddies, they're just supporting him, but yep. they're just rapping over the top. It's country Mike. Who's got your mic? What got your mic? What's got your mic? Who's got your mic? Who's got your mic? Oh, I've got your mic. You've got your mic. I've got your mic. Yeah, I love it. Being playful and being open to what where the muse takes you. That's <laughs> that the joy so of it. So fun. The, the next example in that kind of genre is is uh, less cool. But do you remember the band Sugar Ray? No. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, their big single was this summery reggae pop kind yep. of sublime-esque song called uh, Fly. I just want to fly. Yeah. Um, so before this, that think of them as a funk, new metal, hard rock band in the style of Limp Bizkit, right? Really? You pull my head back, watch bleed. I need again. No time to move, can't even breathe. Yeah, yeah. Your face is stuck in a magazine. Such a bitch. For once, do something for yourself. That's what Sugar Ray were. And then they put out Fly. It's the last track on their album. Um, I think the album's called Flawed from 1997. And uh, and the last track, this throwaway disposable summary pop track, 
absolutely breaks through, takes them to another level. Oh. My wife, Larice, she loves this song. She's like teenager then. She likes the song Fly. She says to her friend, oh, can you get me that for my birthday? She gets it, loves the song Fly, everything else, trash, hates yeah. it. It's this yeah. abrasive new metal kind of, which was not her scene no, at no, all. No, no, no. Yeah, six downs yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, but of course then Sugar Ray went, this works, and then yeah. they went on to make uh, fly Mark two, Mark three, Mark four across their different, um, you know, every morning was a big hit, you know, they found their sound, you know, <laughs> this is the thing as well, though. Like I think anyone who loves music doesn't just limit themselves to listening to one sort of music. And so as a no. musician, as if you're going to limit yourself to, I'm only ever going to play this style. Yeah. I, I totally agree because what I listen to as a teenager is not what I listen to now. And if I was an artist, what I would play as a teenager would probably not be what I would like playing now. Of course, yeah. some of the stuff that I wrote as a teenager may be paying my bills. So, you know, there's a tip <laughs> of the hat that, and that's hard when commerce comes into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I tried to write down bands whose things is never changing. And I, I've used ACDC as, as an yeah, example. True. But Al- Alice in Chains. Good. I yeah, had Alice true. in Chains who right. even through a change of a vocalist still do. And I really like the new Alice in Chains stuff, to be honest, um, still do very Alice in Chains stuff. You know, Jerry Cantrell, one of the original guys is still there who writes and does vocal harmonies and all of that. So it's, it's, it's like the through line of Alice in Chains is still there, but um, yeah, I don't think Alice in Chains is going to change too much. Or like if Rage Against the Machine was still doing their thing, I'd still want it to be the same because you know, yeah. like they grew in terms of musical musicianship and even like in terms of lyric lyrics and stuff like that. But that core sound is it was just amazing. Like whoa. I agree. And and Zach, the lead singer, he tr- he did a solo album or he did a couple of solo singles and, and it just it wasn't quite as successful. Everyone no. thought it would be huge, but the alchemy of the three musicians yeah. plus Zach is something exactly. that exceeds the sum of the parts, right? Exactly. Um, Which is yeah. the case so often throughout. throughout and that's history. hard. So when, when does fan expectation come into this? Like yeah, as a fan, I don't want Rage Against the Machine to come out and do a folk album. Or maybe I do. I don't know. Because I, I think bands become brands and brands yeah. become often, unfortunately, bigger than the artistic ideas that drive them and create them. And there's lawyers and Agents it can break out, right? I mean, think about um, what you imagine. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, when when the Foo Fighters did their thing, I'm like, "Come on, Dave Grohl, you were just a drummer in another band. You're not going to be that good." Then it came out, and I was like, "Whoa, this is actually amazing." <laughs> yeah, know? look, I, I agree. Side projects are probably something a little different, um, and I would argue that new Foo Fighters stuff is like Kings of Leon, a photocopy oh, of the yeah. twenty previous photocopies yeah this is this is that's that's what's coming later on in this podcast in in my opinions right bands it where they don't do so well are changing their sound yeah well yeah that's a good one but before we get there think about as a brand right if rage against machine came out and did some they're on tour they come out and they go we're gonna play new stuff for you now and it's like scar right Mm. Rage Against Machine do a Scar record. Fans mm. might start throwing stuff. You yeah. know, fans feel like they own that band and they get so passionate and say, well, how dare you deliver this rubbish to me? There's or something, something to do with, with um, enjoyment versus expectation, you know, like 
when you sometimes you get it, getting that expectation thrown in your face is a great thing and you go, whoa, I didn't expect that. That's fantastic. But sometimes like if you go to a particular concert expecting to see a certain thing, um, it can get um, really jarring to, to see something else. Like, you know, Mr. Bungle, who I saw in 2000 um, and Neil Hamburger, the comedian, was supporting oh, yes. um, supporting them. Now, nobody has at that point had ever seen a comedian support a band. Number one, <laughs> let alone a comedian who intentionally bombs on stage and his intentionally tells, is bombing and being the yeah, worst comedian ever. Yeah, and clearing his throat directly into the microphone, and like you know, just generally looking like they're just the worst comedian in the world. Um, Look him up, Neil Hamburger. Best. Oh, so good. He's one of my favorite comedians. But and and part of what made me realize that he is awesome is that you know, the audience is booing him so loudly that you can't even hear him anymore. Yeah. He's not even breaking step. He's just keeping on going with the one-liner jokes, just one after the other after the other. And the audience throwing stuff at him, the audience booing him so loudly you can't even hear him, doesn't even phase him. And it was that point I went, Oh, he's this is intentional. Oh, he's this a is genius. brilliant. Yep. <laughs> It's genius. a spectacle, right? You you bring yeah. out a supporter. How many times have you turned up going, oh, I won't I won't go see the support act or it's just some yeah. beige band you don't you're not really into. This guy, he you either love him or hate him. It's yeah. a spectacle, and yeah. that is entertainment, right? Or there. somehow, for whatever, whatever reason, powder finger supporting Pantera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was at that gig. I know you were. Yes. Oh, yes. I missed it. I was in Queensland at the time, but oh, yeah, yeah, and it, and yeah. Apparently, they they didn't even get through a song. There was, was lots like, of people, Pantera fans, booing, throwing yeah, stuff because of the expectation. But here's the thing with Powderfinger: they changed their sound. Their first album, Parable for Wooden Ears, is like a stoner, proggy, darker, heavier album, right? Mm. Okay, um, I think I, I think even it was on the Triple J Eleven, uh, Turn It Up to Eleven um, heavy metal right, compilation really? that I got had Powderfinger on, and that's probably right? why they ended up at that gig. Correct, but oh. between then and their second <laughs> album, Double Allergic, which came yeah. out with beautiful, heartfelt Australian yeah. indie guitar rock. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, there's a shift in change, and Powderfinger they they embraced that, they found their sound, they evolved that, and became you know, love them or hate them, a wonderful uh, Australian indie rock band that had but a lot to say. When you come expecting to hear Pantera and you hear Powderfinger, you know things get thrown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on that bill was the band Silverchair, right? Really, Silverchair, Powderfinger, Pantera, Sydney Entertainment <laughs> Centre. Okay, mid nineties or something like yeah, that. We had so many good heavy bands in Australia at that time. Right, Why did they and pick they, those bands. Well, you know, they put bums on seats. Silverchair, yeah. and that's a band who start off being a grunge band, right? Yeah, total true. grunge band. Um, they evolved. You know, 
Yep, and they evolved into like a cabaret theatrical rock, mm. but mm. but but you know, very artistic, flamboyant band. And some of their later stuff, um, I enjoy more. You know, the same if not more than some of their earlier stuff. Um, yeah, you know, incredible, incredible change. Young Modern, Straight Lines is just a wonderful Australian pop rock song. Yeah, um, so far from different band. from their first stuff though. Yeah, but and- just just the final point on that um, expectations. Like there was two examples I had where you're right you know, when art becomes a brand, there's a trust that can be broken, but is it the artist's responsibility to challenge those preconceptions and grow? So two examples, Bob Dylan is a folk artist of the highest nature with his guitar, acoustic guitar, doing Woody Guthrie type American folk songs and his harmonica that you love so much. Um, And then he put out a couple of (laughs) albums, changed the, the, the zeitgeist, changed the culture, and then he goes electric. Yeah. Brings out a band, goes electric, and probably invents the folk rock, you know, genre. But fans stood up, turned their backs, stormed out in disgust. Like, mm. it, you know, it, but in hindsight, genius move. Yeah. Second example, the band Opeth, uh, heavy metal oh, yeah. band, yeah. right? Uh, really big um, um, cinematic heavy prog awesome stuff intricate stuff yeah with a death metal vocal so heavy growling vocals they put out records where he starts using the lead singer whose name i can't remember starts using a clean vocal and at gigs and i know this because our friend nathan schoonbeck went to a gig where he said fans were yelling out sing death metal because the guy was just singing clean vocals yeah in hindsight i love opeth clean vocals the same if not more than some of their death metal stuff genius move yeah, it's a delicate operation between it is expectations and growth and and change. Yeah, yeah. Well, that kind of leads nicely into my next example, because my next category of bands who change their sounds are bands that change their sound based on increasing musical development. Oh, okay. Right. So they get better. Yes. And they get more range, and then they have more access to sound different sounds that they want to use and then the style develops naturally just because they get better musically. What a great category. My artistic endeavours, I can just do so much after decades of practice, you know, that I could never have done when I was 20. Yeah. The the drawings or the art that you do now is 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 technically better, more adept, more experienced. Oh, you know, you look back like as a, an artist, I look back at the the work I do ten years ago, and I go, oh, man, I wouldn't call, be called dead. It's calling that finished right now, but I, yep. you know, I didn't have the ability back then. So same. So here's the here's the example: Radiohead. Oh, right? yes, right, everyone. I mean, pretty. It's pretty hard to say don't like Radiohead because there's just something there for everybody. But you know how they started with Pablo Honey. That it's was a grunge fairly, record, right? It was pretty heavy. You know, yep. you think about the that big fat, the big fat riffs that are used in that. And then, and then even in the bands, like it's still just a rock band. And then yeah. like they pretty much announced yeah. their stylistic change in the title of the album, OK Computer. Ah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. yeah. So they're announcing the stylistic change saying, OK Computer, yeah. you can come on board in addition to our analogue rock instruments. Yeah. 
we're going to allow these electronic sounds in here now. We resist it, but now we're going to go, all right, okay. We, so we the relent. palette that they paint with broadens. Yes. And they're not, and they, yeah, it's, it's a huge, wider range of tools at their, at their disposal. So I compare Pablo Honey to moon, a moonshaped pool, yeah. and a moonshaped pool. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't call it a rock album. It's an it's arty not rock. rock. Yeah. It's an art, yeah, like art some, rock, art album. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, completely, and and a lot of the stuff is actually not up tempo. A lot of it's very sort of slow and atmospheric, and just you know, lots of layers of sound that that slowly come at you. You know, and and I think that over the years, like all the members of of that band have become hugely proficient musically. Like they, they managed to stick weird timing into some of their songs yeah. that you don't even hear as unusual timing because they just make it sound so natural. You know, there's, there's a heap of songs that are in, in like, you know, like seven, four and stuff like that, that, that don't sound like that. They just sound like normal sort of songs. And then yeah. try and tap along to it, try and count along to half of these things. And you go, yeah. Oh, hang on. Something, something interesting coming. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what's going on. Well, like you think about the, that song, Spinning Plates, and they record the whole thing backwards and then Tom York learns the vocals backwards so that then they can record it the other way so everything is backwards. So What? So he learned, so he learned his vocal part and he just learned to say it backwards. Right. And, and then, then they sang learned, it backwards. They learned the notes backwards. And so no. they just played the song backwards and then um, just reversed it in the studio so that every note is actually, so you know how it starts, it goes, and so the attack is on the opposite way. And then if you listen to how he's singing those verses, it, it sounds very strange, something strange about his vocals. And then it's very clear when he says, and this just feels like spinning plates in the chorus, um, Probably because he has to repeat that over and over again. He got really good at saying that backwards. Yeah. And so they just played the entire song backwards and then played it forwards in the album. I'm going to go and listen to that with fresh yeah, ears. That it. is it incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. And also their use of technology with their samplers and their yep. echo and delay and reverb. And yep. they do it live as well. You watch them live and, you mm. know, Ed O'Brien, the sort of other guitarist is, is yep. not playing guitar. He's sampling, making noise, uh-huh. sonic scapes, soundscapes, uh-huh. textures, all of this stuff, which wasn't there on the bands, which wasn't there on Pablo Honey, which was a much more straighter yep. band, guitar band album. And OK Computers, them just dipping their feet into that. And then just as they broadened musically, their, their music, like you said, their musical palette just broadens up and allows so much more. 
And, and Kid A is just the next logical step of that. After OK Computer co- yep. comes Kid A, which is, you know, it was a culture shifting, ground shifting kind of moment where yep. these bands were no longer rock bands. There was something else. And you put your finger on it. It's their proficiency with technology and their instruments that gives them a broader palette to paint with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they embrace it fully of all bands yeah. like Radiohead oh, yeah. embrace it fully. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, similar to that in a way, you know, the band Regurgitator, one of my favorite bands from, oh, yeah. from being a teenager who started off being a heavy, interesting, dark band again, yeah. In the heavy metal or heavy end of the spectrum. They put out their alt, cool alt indie rock to playing debut album. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which yeah, has got then, like even little um, little organ lounge tracks in there, which is a redoing of old heavier songs. Yep, kind of a nod to mm, we're up for a bit of change musically here. Yes, so I couldn't do it. One of their singles off their new uh-huh. EP or the Hamburger EP, I can't remember, yep. is like a heavy kind of heavy hitting song, and they mm-hmm. do like a lounge uh, little organ synth <laughs> version of uh, like so a cabaret version. Yeah. I didn't get it as a, as a teenager. I didn't get that. I was like, what if, yeah, I, I was challenged yes. by that. But yeah. then, of course, out comes in 1997, their album Unit, which was mm-hmm. a complete stylistic change. It was yeah. a throwback 80s album using um, piano guitars, like keyboard guitars and yep. um, synths, and it was more Devo kind of esque. Totally. Devo-esque. Devo is 100% heavy. what I think of every time I hear yeah. it. They probably either, again, their ideas or their proficiency with instruments and their desire to challenge themselves brought brought new things to paint with into Sounds their, like a their room. bit of a combination of all those things, new ideas, new instrumentation, and, and kind of all just smashing together to make their, their unit album. But what's cool yep. about that unit album is it hangs together so well as an album. It's not like they jump between and go, oh, let's do a heavy one as well. And let's no. do, oh, this is, they go, no, this is what we're doing right now. It feels like a natural progression. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, uh, they, there's their famous um, song, I like your old stuff better than your new stuff. You know, yeah, great way to start it all, right? Like, it's, like, it's like, I like your old stuff better than new stuff. Um, now we're doing some new stuff. Yeah, here so, you go. Yeah. And I know that's what you're going to say. I like your old stuff better than your new stuff. Well, tough luck. <laughs> yep. And, of course, then they, they did a whole parody of, of reality singing shows in yeah. 2004 they they were a band in a bubble they set up a big bubble tent in fed square in melbourne went in there for like a week or a month probably a week i think and uh with one of the guys from channel v and just made an album you know yeah um called mishmash you know it was okay and then get this full circle 2019 they put out a kids album 
Oh, I love that. I love it so much. Yep. Regurgitator's <laughs> Pogogo show. Uh, it's, it's so cool. And I love I love how you can hear Regurgitator as a band coming through through so strongly in that album. It's oh, great. It's awesome. Really the box good. Song. Check out my box, yo. I think it rocks, yo. You like my VOS, cause my box is the best. Four sides of paper power, flaps on the top. I play in it for hours, I won't stop. My box is voluminous. The box, yep. Mr. Butt. You know, oh yeah, the so one good. about the games on my computer, but um, so good. you know, that's full circle, I guess, where your ideas well, and circumstances of life change everything as well. But um, <laughs> that I am a robot one cracks me up so much. Oh, I can't think of that me, one. Me, 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 ma, 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 moo, 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 moo. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I do. I, there was a time where I lost my mind about how good Regurgitator were around yeah. the EPs and the first two albums. Like, yeah. absolutely um, loved it. Yeah, they were yeah, fantastic. interesting. What's your next category? What else you got? Here we go. Bands that changed their music for whatever reason, but not for the better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Um, so the first one, the first cab off the rank that I'm just gonna. Thing I'm going to start off with because you mentioned it before, Beck. Oh. I don't like his any of his no. latest stuff. I love hey, it. Hyperspace to me feels like just empty, predictable pop. <sighs> I don't Delightful, like it. gentle city pop. <laughs> I love it. His singing style used to be so distinctive, and now it's so gen- it's just so ordinary now i don't like it there's all this like his rap used to like have this little lax quality to it that made it so interesting and unique and charming now it just feels like every other damn thing oh stop it i love look, beck i look i'm not gonna it i'm not gonna besmirch mech because yeah. he his musicianship is extraordinary that dude writes so many amazing pop songs for established pop artists and he is an incredible musician yeah but you can be an incredible musician and produce pretty boring music I <laughs> <laughs> you are entitled to your opinion oh, but he has done you're right he's done some different stuff you know yeah and he won a grammy for his, it. Yeah, yeah i find it yeah. boring i just find it predictable and i just i you know it, it I, I find myself i was listening to some stuff uh earlier this year or the last year or something like that and i was making some art to it and it just started to annoy me Oh, I could imagine. I get it. You know, yeah. it started to actually annoy me. But I mean, that's just my personal taste. He's he's a yep. fantastic musician. He but pushes I don't the like envelope. It. Yep. No, yep. Good. All right. Here we go. Uh, number two, Smashing Pumpkins. Oh. All right. That oh. that band. I was. Massively into the Smashing Pumpkins for such a, a long time. I saw them um, during just after they made Adore, and like they had some cool, interesting sounds. But you know that album for me was the point where I went, nah, 
I have I checked out and haven't been back. Yeah. I, I look, yeah. I've heard them. I've heard all the albums. And but it just becomes like that's a band which they have become like a parody of their own style. Yeah, that is a good description. And there's a lot of bands who do that who go, that worked before. Everyone liked that. Let's just do that again. And then you know, when you're forcing this, forcing the sound or the style because someone else liked it and you want to do it again and you want to want to replicate that. Yeah. It almost, I just don't think it ever works. But um, and I felt like the addition to the of electronic stuff in their their music made it sound too clinical. You know, they yeah. needed to push the envelope and widen it. And maybe these are the ideas that he went with. But yeah, it's not the same for me. No, it's not no. horrible. But it's, no, I wouldn't call it horrible. It's no. just, it's just a bit meh. Can I tell you one that is horrible? Please. So you know, corn. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. let's just say the first early two corn, albums were right. They were influential, right? Yeah. If anything, if you if you like them or didn't like them, they're heavily influential yeah. um, in that scene. Yeah. Um, new metal, seven string, down tuned. Yeah. You know, all of that stuff. Did you know that they put out a dubstep electronic record? <laughs> yep. <laughs> that sounds yep. like something they'd do. Yep. Early, early 2000s. <laughs> They put out uh, an album, Skrillex is on it, and all these other producers. Wow. Let's move on. Real yeah, quick. just move on. Just like just do something else. Yeah, you know, just find another another thing to do. You know. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of like what Mike Patton does these days is as soundtracks, and that for you know where he's gone musically, I think that worked really really well. And side projects are a great way to push the boundaries yeah. and see what works. So Mike Patton does it. A lot of a lot of yeah. artists have got side projects that they do yeah. where Leonard they can James investigate stuff. Yeah. yeah. Investigate yeah. different avenues and different streets without besmirching the brand, you know. And, and yeah. I hate to use that word when it comes well, to art. I mean, that's the thing. The legacy, as well, like, let's say, the legacy of their of their art. Well, that's yeah. the thing as well. Like if if it is meant to be different sound, then why not call it a different project? Yeah, that's an interesting you know, one. Is it if it's a band name, then and and you associate a particular type of sound with that, then you know maybe you call it a different project. Like Tom York, like going back to Radiohead, puts out his own stuff, which his, he does. He, is his own stuff, and like you know the sound of his voice is unmistakable, but it, it is a different sort of a sound, and yeah. so therefore it, it it is not Radiohead music; it's Tom York's music. Yeah, and if you go back to some of the examples in our. Does this work game, you yeah. know, a Michael Flatley Bollywood show should be called something else, not Lord of the Dance. Yes. You know, McDonald's would need to change their name and go, yeah. we're now a sausage roll company or whatever <laughs> the hell. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. a really good point. Like <laughs> rename and names are powerful. Names are important. They come with a weight of expectation. 100%. Um, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Uh, what else you got? Anything else that we need to touch base with? I mean, I a lot have. of bands have changed their sound when they've changed members, and I've got a feeling that we need to do an episode on yeah. bands that have changed members. 
Yeah, so really interesting. Bands changing sounds. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes bands find their sound with a breakthrough song that's different and they follow that avenue. Um, it's, a, it's a really tricky topic because there's a weight of expectation with fans. There's an interesting aspect where art becomes branded and brands have trust and that trust can be broken. But, but by sometimes- the same token, then you've got your creative growth that you, you know, as a creative person, you want to create something different as you, as you expand your horizons and, you know, develop your style and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I love it when bands look to push the envelope. It's a tricky thing to get mm. right, but I mm. do, I do love it. Anyway. Same. What do you got? You got a fact of the week for us? I do indeed. I have a fortnightly fact, which is that a couple of musicians, Damien Ryle and Noah Rubin, Rubin, sorry, Noah Rubin, uh, one guy's a lawyer, one guy's a computer programmer, but they're both musicians. They were worried about the, uh, the idea of music copyright, you know, where, you know, one band taking another one to court because they think they've stolen their, their, their sound or riff or yep. whatever. So they decided to write every possible melody <laughs> in the world and trademark it or something yeah well just to write it right so they just once it's written it's written right so so no they, they obviously every melody in the entire world is infinite because you know if you're starting yeah. to deal with um all different scales and different you know, tones and stuff like that that's that's impossible but so they took it within the western melody got it um you know the western scale yeah 12 note scale then, yeah yeah, and then to to sort of you know keep it within the bounds of um, possibility, they um, they set the parameters like so. For example, if you're talking about like all 88 notes on a piano and you've got a 12 note sequence, that's like 216 sextillion metal melodies, <laughs> right? So they cut it finer than that. They went Western popular music, right? Just keep within that. You're not going to need the very, very high notes necessarily on a piano. You're not going to need the very, very low notes. Just keep it within that and then keep it within an eight-note long melody, which most okay. pop music is within, almost all pop music, in fact, is it doesn't use um, more than eight notes. Right. Um, in as a melody, right? Obviously chords and whatnot, you know, yeah. whatever. But yeah. a melody itself doesn't use generally use more than eight, eight notes. And so they wrote a computer program that could then generate every possible melody within those parameters and it produced um, 68 billion melody combinations. Oh, my God. And so they've, they've saved that as a way of going, you know what, we've written them all now, so everyone just stop suing each other. <laughs> because- I see, I see, I see. They're trying to say it's out there, just let it be. Yeah, uh-huh. because you know, like Led Zeppelin got sued by somebody because they thought our stairway to heaven is is a different yes. is is copied and and you know people get sued all the time for for thinking that they've copied somebody else's melody, but like it's probably been done before, and you know a good melody is a good melody regardless, and and quite often you can actually literally take a sample from somebody and then totally recontextualize it in a different song. You know, we mentioned Beck earlier on in this episode. He regularly takes samples from other songs, completely retextualizes them, and then it's a different song. It's totally different. I'm having about a thousand ideas right now. You, I reckon you just <laughs> peel, peel back the the lid on a complete separate episode. I, I love it. So. I, I think love so. it. It's because I started thinking because uh, I've been thinking about this for a while, a while. I learned this a while back that they did this ages ago. It would have been, you know, a year and a half ago that they did this, and, and I, I read about it and I went, "Wow, this is this is interesting." 
so hmm where do you stop and like as a listener do you just hear somebody else that sounds like a copy and go wow that's bull crap that's like just totally copied or like for example if you hear dum 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 da, da, dum dum do you think david bowie or do you think vanilla ice Yep. You know, yep. Like, correct. You know. Depends on your generation, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I think, I think it's, it's a funny kind of a, a gray area. And I think that do you just, you know, forget all music litigation and do you then just allow it to the listener to just buy it or not? Or as a listener, would you be um, upset if you had realized that it was taken from another very successful song and didn't realize it at the time? These are very yeah. provocative questions. Indeed. I we need to delve into this further. Very, <laughs> very maybe, good. Maybe a little bit less of a throwaway fact and more of a, <laughs> a deep dive into another topic. I love it. Well, there you go. all right, let's dig into that one another time too. Oh, I but think so. Today we love digging into bands that change their sound. Let us know what band has changed their sound for the better. What artist has changed their sound for the worse? Hit us up on the socials. Tell us what you think. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at supersonicchat at gmail.com. And if you like what you hear and you've got a couple of minutes, tell a friend about our wonderful podcast and why you like it and just get a lot of listeners out there so that we they can hear our thought experiments. And if you've got even a little bit more time, give us a, a rating on Apple Podcasts because apparently if you get up to a certain number of good ratings, then they start promoting. So that could be really, really helpful if you like what you hear. That'd be great. Uh, thank you, guys. That has been another episode of Supersonic Chat. We look forward to seeing you next week. 